0: Well, I'm really excited here at the Meaning Code today to be with Chad. And uh, Chad and I had an opportunity to talk a little bit at the Chino Hills Conference, the quest for a spiritual home. And that was a tremendously exciting experience, um, both the conference and talking with Chad. So we thought we would get together and have a little conversation here. And uh, Chad, welcome.
1: Howdy. How are you?
0: I'm good. (laughs) So... um, we have probably a lot of things that we can talk about, including the conference, but um, maybe it would be good to start with letting people get to know you a little bit. Do you want to talk about yourself? Sure.
1: So, so uh, I, I have, uh, my internet name is Chad the Alcoholic and, our, sorry, this table is wobbly. It's kind of funny. Can you help?
0: Well when you of... wobble it I can tell, but when you don't wobble it, it's okay. <laughs>
1: um so okay, so I'm uh I'm gonna be 40 years old soon. I do uh style work as a day job, um as a career. Um I'm a, a husband and uh I have a couple puppies, Rigsby and Dolly. And uh I'm also uh, a recovered alcoholic through Alcoholics Anonymous. And I um, I found your channel by um, first, it's like this weird thing that a lot of people uh, who seem to be gathering in the corner, the this little corner. Um, so I, it started with a friend of mine introduced me to Joe Rogan. And then uh, I was really intrigued by Joe Rogan. The first episode I ever listened to was uh, Niclo- Nicholas Christakis oh. was being interviewed by him and he's, he had this really great book that I, that I went out and it's like the, the first book I got on Audible, which is called the blueprint, which is a really, I thought it was a really great book at the time. I I'm wondering what I'd think about it now, but I think it was, I think it was really good. And that kind of set me off on this journey where uh, one day um, I was pulled up to the detox. We, a buddy of mine and I, um, a guy who was my best man at my wedding, we go into a detox facility every Sunday and uh, try to do do some step work and um, with some guys. And he's listening to something in his car and I pull up and I'm like, what is that? And he's like. Jordan Peterson. I'm like, who? He's like, Jordan Peterson. So the reason why he's like, little, like, leery on telling me is because, you know, as an AA member with fellow AA members, we try to steer away from getting into talking about politics or religion or things like this because it's different between him and I because we're, we're best friends. And, um, but like in a meeting or as a group, uh, AA has no has no position at all, has no opinion on religion or medicine or politics or any of that stuff. So, but he's like, oh, it's uh, Jordan Peterson, and I was like, okay. So I started listening to uh to Jordan Peterson. Uh, was really intrigued by the biblical series, um, and. From there, uh, I spent I I did listen to some Paul Vanderclay at first, but then I think I like um, something about him at that time annoyed me, so I just stopped listening to, to him and I just continued to listen to Peterson and um and then I started listening to a bunch of audiobooks, and then I make my way into um into the, the pandemic. Um, and uh, started um, listening to, well, obviously more audiobooks. And then um, um, right near the end of the pandemic, there, um, I, I started like, there's this concept in Alcoholics Anonymous that we have. So it's not a religious program but they have this concept called um a god of your own understanding and and that's a, a strange concept but it's one that they uh <clears throat> so whenever you're kind of in the literature of Al- alcoholics anonymous if they, if ever they mention the word god explicitly they they kind of bracket that with uh, of your own understanding and they do that to leave the kind of window open for anybody who is has certain prejudice or ideas about God and or or resentments or whatever because um, they don't want to deny the fact that uh, a higher power or God is 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 the power that um, that gets us sober, but they also don't want to uh, alienate anybody who like them were very obstinate against uh, God so anyways this whole idea about the God around understanding um, they, they have this so that we can seek God so like one of the ideas is uh, seek God and help others like that's basically the foundation of Alcoholics Anonymous and um, so I'm walking around for like eight or nine years with this idea of uh, seeking God of my own understanding and Seeking God basically through service of others and stuff like that. That was the basic idea that I was operating on. Because for whatever reason, I just, every time I heard the word Christ or Savior, uh, I would just like bristle with antagonism. I just get so bound up and I I really don't know why that is. Um, but I think the best, I think, the, the best way I, I can kind of characterize that is, at the time i thought what kind of like spiritual leader would would call himself a savior that just bothered me for some reason i thought there was like this total lack of humility and then on top of that it's like who could buy all this crap anyways there's this like nonsense to me um but i had a lot of experiences um encounters with with god a god of my understanding ones that i couldn't explain to anybody and so I'm walking around with this concept of God, and my understanding, helping others, all this different stuff, and um, and then I started to reach a point where, like this idea, um, was kind of running out of steam. It wasn't really working as well as it once was. It, it started to reach the bottom, I guess, of of the of that particular well, and. Um, and so I go to my sponsor one day, I said, I said, you know, you're a smart dude, like, and you're a Christian, like, how do you understand that? I don't understand. And he just says, Oh, I don't know, I just, I was raised in it. And I guess it makes sense to me. And that's it. And I just, and I thought, that it doesn't, it's not helpful at all. Like,
0: yeah.
1: you know, and <clears throat> um, so while this is all going on, um, I start trying to wonder, like, what is it about this Christ thing that people, I don't understand, like, like, but I also knew, like, in the past, I had made particular judgments about other literature without ever reading it, and, and realizing, like, that I was walking around as, with this, this, this bundle of, prejudice which is um uh to have an opinion about something without any actual experience or not based on actual facts so i'm just kind of like sardines you know like i have all these opinions about sardines only i've never had them before which is fine with sardines but if it when it relates to other things that maybe are important maybe it's not so good but basically my whole life is characterized with this attitude of prejudice it's just how I am and um and I recognize that in myself and uh, and so <laughs> um right around this time I started seeing like uh like when I would drive to work there's like this billboard that would have like Jesus loves you or something there's like there's always something new on there there was a business right around that same area Um, that would post these, they would have these, they they would pay for these really huge banners and they'd be a new one, like every week that would have something about God on there. And and I was like thinking that is weird. I'm like having this weird, like, Oh, this is kind of weird. And, um, and right around that time, Jordan Peterson had come back to, uh, um, have one of his, his early conversations with uh Jonathan Fajot and um i I just identified so much with like I felt like I was right exactly where Peterson was at. you know like he's like wants to believe he doesn't know how he's like, maybe I, I don't know, I don't know. And so what I ended up doing is um, I remembered what a friend of mine had told me a, a few years before this he had said, if you ever read the Bible, just read the red words. And I knew what that meant. And so when I decided to actually seek and to try to understand the Christians better, I found this audiobook book on, on YouTube called The Complete Sayings of Jesus Christ in Chronological Order, which I actually bought the, the actual book. It was written in like 1927. Um, so I'm listening to this book while I'm uh, at work. And the first thing that kind of was a chink in my armor was after the first couple of uh, miracles he does, he tells people, don't tell anybody I did this. And I thought, that's, what's that? Like, that's weird. Like, I didn't know that that happened. And so something started. To, and I was like, well, that's interesting. And as I'm listening, um, I get to Mark 5 and this the story i hear the story and so like this so right again like right around this whole time while i'm doing all the seeking i'm thinking what is it these christians have that i don't like i don't understand because like i like i'm doing on the ground work every day like and i would go to the churches once in a while to listen and i would think but what are these people doing like sunday to sun- sunday like where are they doing those other days and I'm like, but they seem to have something. I don't know. It was like, I felt like they were on the other side of the glass or something. Like, we're in the same realm. I'm doing everything you're doing, but somehow you see something that I can't, I don't understand. So I'm listening to this this story in, uh, while I'm at work. And and I, I stopped the story. And I paused. I was like, what, what the hell is that, dude? And, and I pressed rewind and i listened to it again and um by the time the story was over i was on the other side of glass and i don't understand how that happened you know like i had like all the questions i had about virgin birth and ascension all these questions were just poof they just disappeared and um and like it was it's just i still to this day i don't really know how to explain it but like
0: what like, was the story in mark 5 <clears throat>
1: It was uh, the story of Legion. And um, uh, so like when I try to examine it looking back on it um, when I really identified with, with the Legion dude because I just thought well yeah he's like me he's like an alcoholic he's got all these character defects all these demons and um, <clears throat> nobody can tell him what to do. They can't hold him. He's he's like the lowest of the low. You know, he's living on a on a pig farm where the tombs are, in and in that's a place where like if you're like that, you're you're the persona non grata. Like nobody is has anything to do with you. And <clears throat> I thought it was also strange that when he meets Christ, he he calls him by his name, even though he's never met him before, which I thought was. I mean interesting. And then he he asked him the question like, what am I what am I supposed to do with you? Well I had that same question. <laughs> and then uh and then after um he's healed, he he goes to Christ and he's like uh he's fully clothed and he goes up to Christ is like, so can I like go with you? And and Jesus is like, Nah, why don't you just stay here and help your friends and tell them what the Lord did? And like, I was like, Well, I'm already doing that, right? Like, and I don't know. It was something about all of that just made everything go away. It made all the questions disappear. I, I I've never, they've never reappeared. Um, I've never struggled with any of it. It's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange um strange thing and uh and so that's when i started like um right before that happened about a, a week and a half before that event happened i went on the the bridges of meaning discord server i contacted paul and i told him that i was struggling with this christianity and stuff and he's like go over here maybe these people can help you they got experiences so i went over there and literally nobody there I mean, they, they were trying to be helpful, but nothing they did was really helpful. <laughs> so, which I think is funny. Um, but, uh, so that's how I was introduced to the whole tourner and then listening to all this different stuff. And then, um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, still a very powerful experience for me um, when when I think about how defiant i was or how un, unable i guess maybe more so as maybe it's more accurate to say i was unable to to believe um i had no problem believing in god at all like because mm-hmm. i had all these experiences with that i just there's something about the christ thing that just bothered me and all of that went away just completely went away and um and then uh I start well, I mean I that.
0: I, I I'll, I'll say a little something about that I mean the scripture does say that the natural man cannot understand the things of God and and so what happened to you when you were reading that story is you went from being a natural man to being a spiritual man <clears throat> because that's why the the scales fell off and the scripture was open to you right for my father um it's a much longer story which I won't say right now but but it happened to him in an instant in the middle of the night with a vision where jesus came to him with a vision of the foundations of the universe of the whole world and somehow showed him everything and when he when he went to sleep he was having really significant um brain issues and motor issues and, and all kinds of health problems. And when he woke up, he was, his mind was clear and and he was pointing up to Jesus and saying, Jesus is my savior. I mean, I've never seen such a radical change in a person from one to the other. And that's because he went to sleep a physical man and he woke up a spiritual man, right? So a natural man, and he woke up a spiritual man that wasn't my experience but i have seen it happen for other people with my husband he had he was completely natural man but he had been invited to a bible study and they were reading through the book of john i think it was john and he had taken the bible home with him to read it and when he got to the place where the woman caught in adultery was brought before him and uh and then the pharisees asked him you know what should we do with her? And my husband could instantly see this is a trap. What can he possibly say? Either way he goes, he's in trouble. And then he read the answer and he was like, nobody but God could have said this. And he went instantly from being a natural man to being a spiritual man. It was just like the light came in. Right. So it's, it's a, it actually happens for people and it doesn't happen the same way for everybody, but that's a pretty amazing story that you got that out of the story of legion.
1: Yeah. it's, it's And then, so it's weird about that. Is so like later on hearing like Jonathan Peugeot talk about um, when the, the, the desert fathers talk about when you have uh, these massive spiritual experiences, just let them go. They're not like, they're they're fine, but you can't live on them, yeah. and that makes total sense to me. I mean, that's, yeah,
0: that's totally totally. True.
1: <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, it's 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 really strange because, like, I don't know. I found it more difficult. <laughs> There's like a, this level of uh, difficulty with, um, the responsibility or the, I don't know. The uh, whatever whatever this is that I that I have to carry now it's like it's weird because like I before this happened I was like a like I would like I would meet like I was sponsoring a, a lot of men for many years and I was the kind of guy where if my job had me uh, starting at eight o'clock in the morning we would. I'd go to the halfway house and meet a guy. We'd go to McDonald's, sit there at six o'clock in the morning. We'd read and do stuff work, and I'd help him find God. <laughs> and, um, or if my job was started at 6 a.m. and I was done at two, I was out at the halfway house at four, whatever it is, you know, like I was, you know, I was very plugged into that. And that's, um, that's where God had had me at that time. And, and so, but since then like, it's been more difficult. Uh, it's weird. It's, it's been kind of weird being, that's why I don't even like to use, I don't even like to say I'm I'm Christian. There's something about it. that's off. I don't really know. I, I hear a lot of people saying that. I don't know if we're all saying the same thing when we say that, but there's, um, there's something off about that, but, Uh, um, I find it more difficult to, uh, feel the earnestness of, of, uh, of service since being Christian. And I don't know what that's all about. There's like almost like a complacency that, uh, that has come along with it, um, Uh, and maybe that's just a matter of like, um, so, so since all that happened, we ended up, uh, my wife and I, um, we, we bought a house and we're like 20, 30 minutes further out from where we were before. So it's, you know, and, and and then being a husband and that's new and doing the, the, you know, it's like it's just a new season of something completely new happening and then wrestling with all of that while trying to still be of love and service to my fellows. And, um, it's like, I don't know. So maybe it's just a matter of that.
0: I, I mean, you're, you're saying it feels a little bit like complacency, but I wonder if it isn't just, um, you're sensing the grace that comes with, the recognition that you're stretched in a lot of different directions and you have a lot of responsibilities and you are doing your best to prioritize those responsibilities um, and being anxious about all of that and feeling under obligation wouldn't improve anybody's life i mean if if, if you were having to rush hither and yon to help people under stress and pressure i don't think it would be of much real help to them you know what i mean
1: no that's that's true i i totally agree now it's weird because it's not like uh there's not a great amount of of stress or anything it's just that's kind of what was i think this is like the i don't know the 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 strangeness of god so he he had prepared me the whole time
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: and um and secure in in my recovery, and um, I never felt well. It, like since I've been in, like actually in recovery, I never felt like you know, like a like part of my language, but like a piece of shit in God's eyes. Like I mm-hmm. one of the first encounters I had with with God was this book called um, "Conversations with God" by a guy named Neil Donald Walsh, and which is a uh, very <laughs> All your Christian listeners who are familiar with that will probably turn the channel right now, and you know because it's like you know it's not what it should be and all this different stuff. But I believe God works like beyond our little conceptions, and you know that's just my experience with with it. So there's a security that I have, but I'm also I'm also uh, I know, I know me and I know my selfishness and self-centeredness and like, I know what it's like to get really comfortable and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I've done some of that. And so that's, it's a, it's just a, 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 a noticing or a, con- a little bit of a concern. And maybe that's why I'm calling it a season because it's like this too shall pass and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's uh. The experience you would think for anybody who's not Christian out there, you would think like, well, yeah, well now you're Christian, everything gets easier. It just didn't. It didn't get easier. Like it got different. And um but my whole life got different. As it it's always it's like sometimes I look at my my, my whole life over the past ten years and it's just a complete strange. Thing that um, all of the self-discipline in the world couldn't have brought about. All of the, you know, I I I, I couldn't think my way into different kinds of stuff. Like, uh, and I don't know. It's just it's just strange to me, I guess, how like, and I think about this a lot as it relates to, say, the conversations around the corner. Um, sometimes I think we 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 talk about things as if we're going to really manage them. And I don't know how much we actually are, you know, like even even around the conversation about like AGI and stuff like that, it's like, I don't know, maybe that's exactly where God would have us right now, dealing with this new thing. I don't know. Sounds hor- horrifying in some, some respects, but maybe that's just what it is, you know, and maybe, mm, I don't know, you know what I mean? So like I'm always kind of vacillating between these two different things like sometimes it's uh my conspiratorial mind will go like worry worry a lot of interest in something i'm worried about and then and then like thinking about it and then and then like a week later i'm like whatever it's fine
0: (laughs) well i i do think that um part of the reason like well let's say for example agi getting all concerned about that and wigged out about it I agree with you at the end of the day if it's going to happen it's probably going to happen and but I at the same time I also believe that God does call certain individuals to stand in the gap and call them even even if standing in the gap is not ultimately successful they are called to stand in the gap I mean Mm -hmm. I, I think of even Samson he was he was not a spiritual man. He was a man of, of deep sin and rebellion. And yet God had called him to help, um, help Israel get freedom from the, the uh, Philistines. And ultimately, he was able to help in that, even though it, it brought down his own life as well. So sometimes certain people are called to stand in the gap, regardless of the outcome. And other people are not called to stand in that gap. And so if we get ourselves all worked up about every single thing going on, then our ears aren't going to be awake or tuned in to whatever God is calling us to participate in. Because maybe the thing that I'm prepared for is a different thing than the thing that somebody else is prepared for. And that was a long, hard learning for me because I was always the one that wanted to get the flag and get out in front of everybody and say, come on, let's go do this thing. But I was always taking on every battle and i wasn't suited for every battle and you know it took me a long time to figure that out and and i also have a kind of a conspiratorial mind that can easily get very enticed by certain ideas and and follow them pretty far before i sort of wake up and (laughs) smell the roses you know (laughs) that's um because at the end of the day god is good and and he's got us well in hand and he's um he has a purpose somehow in these things it's really hard to understand how all that works but that doesn't mean that we're supposed to sit by and let let evil take over because we are called to stand in the gap but it's the particular gap that we're called to i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i also wanted to say something about the, the thing where you said a little while ago about hesitating calling yourself a christian and I think that's because the meaning of Christian has changed so much from the original biblical meaning of Christian, which simply meant someone who followed Christ and wanted their life to, to be in him and him to be in them. And that was it. But over time, the meaning of Christian has come to mean, you know, it it's a pejorative to say, well, you're not acting like a Christian what they mean is a a christian is supposed to act in a certain way so it can be used as a trap you know um by anybody who just wants to say you're not acting like a christian well what is a christian supposed to act like a christian is someone who has been transformed by christ but that doesn't mean it always is going to show up in every single action that we take right but if you Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis that pointed this out, that the word gentleman used to have a specific meaning. And what it meant was uh, a a man who had land, who owned land and owning land gave him certain responsibilities. But that was it. Now, gentleman has this meaning of you behave properly. You walk on the right side of the street with a lady, you open doors for her, you know, all these these little rules that have gotten attached to it that have nothing, whatever to do with the actual meaning of the word. Right. So it is a little incautious to call oneself a Christian nowadays, because you don't know if somebody calls up some picture of some um, political crusader or, you know, somebody who holds a lot of wacky ideas and is in a cult or whatever. So,
1: well, I think, I think, i think what has me pausing about it is uh kind of the 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 reluctance around branding like mm-hmm. the, like how easy it is just to say something that or like we we drop into these different kinds of categories and there's just something about it that the the Here's, here's another way of looking at it. When I would um when I would call up my sponsor with worry, I'd be worried about something. I'm not, you know, I may, I'm feeling like a piece of crap. I'm not doing great or whatever. I don't feel like I'm doing great. And he would say, um, I'm not worried about you. Your feet are moving. And he's like, I don't care what you say. Like, because no matter what you say, your feet are always going to be making, are always going to be louder than anything you can say. Right. And so like, that's that I, that concept of, I I never want to use, use this as like a virtue. I'm virtuous Christian, you know, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, hopefully, hopefully it will be apparent um, in some way. That there's something, something good about me, or good. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be, and it's not going to be about me either. It's gonna, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to explain this, but it, it's it's just so easy to, to. This guy's that. This is this, and that's that. And there's dick, dick, dick. it's like, like I'm kind of annoyed with that whole thing, <clears throat> um, because the, we we can become parrots around a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. like kind of sick of parrots, you know, like um I think that's kind of how we're in some of the trouble that we're in now is just all this, this quick, easy language, parroting, parroting, parroting. We haven't, we don't even like examine the words that we use and it's, um we just say stuff and it's just so easy. And then, you know, like given that then I can just kind of rest and chill and not do anything. And so, um you know, I know, I know that I was captured. The way I say it is I was captured by Christ. That's it. Like, that's the best way I know how to say that. Mm-hmm. Um Because like, I'm of the, the firm belief that I can't unsee what has happened. And, um, and that's the other thing. Sometimes I think we talk about deconstruction and different things like this as if like, it's just an act of will. And I don't think. Uh, at least I'm not really familiar with anybody who has deconstructed out of an act of their own will to walk away. Now, I know that people have walked away from the church for whatever reason or walked away from their um, their their spiritual practices for whatever reason. But I, I don't for a, a second believe that they stopped believing. Um, uh, but, that's just my experience. Maybe that I hope that never happens, right? Like, I hope Mm -hmm. that one day it just goes away. Um, but uh, so yeah, this is something to do with that. I'm not ashamed of that, that I was captured by Christ, it's been Mm -hmm. great, but it's like I feel like it it makes it so small to to say I'm a Christian,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, and there are times where. In conversation, like if I'm on the the Discord or whatever, somebody new is in there and we're having conversation. Yes, I'll I'll use it, but I like, I, am I'm, I'm reluctant to use it, sometimes because I just think it's quick and easy, and it's it's uh, more a virtue signal than anything.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, I can totally understand that. So do you want to say anything about why you wear this headgear when you're um, when you're on the videos?
1: Yeah. So okay, so uh it wasn't long after I um all this all event all this whole event happened where I was captured by Christ and I'm going on the discord and then I'm noticing like there's um all these cool channels there's uh the original Randos united channel there's civil king there's your channel there's like there's all these people who are contributing to a co- some conversation here and and i wanted to contribute in some way so initially i made this channel called the bridges of meeting hub channel and i put a bunch of i uh, i made a playlist of everybody's channels and then put a bunch of audio books on there and stuff and um, but then I realized like nobody's gonna come to this channel. So I thought, well, maybe I can uh, make a little bit of content so I can get people to come to uh, this channel so they can find other channels. Um, and I wanted to also talk about my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous. but um uh, if you go on, like if you go on YouTube and you look up people talking about AA, there's like literally nobody that I found that is following the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous a- as far as like, um, so there's this tradition, it's called the 11th tradition where we practice anonymity at the level of press radio and films. Right. And so <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you're, you know, Elvis or Steve down the street, you know, like if you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be wise of you to adhere to this tradition, which is not a rule. It's a very strong suggestion, and it's for two reasons. One of the reasons is to protect you from your own ego, and the other reason is to protect AA from your ego. And um, so in some respect, I haven't adhered to the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous entirely. But at the very least, I've chucked my face out of it and my uh, last name out of it. <clears throat> um, and so it's it's a it's it's a practice of sorts. Uh, so when I wanted to 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 go online and to talk about this stuff, I wanted to try to be useful to people around the language of AA. And everybody's talking about spirituality and God. And I'm like, well, where's the AA guy? Because like this is this. I think we have something very significant to offer to the conversation. Um, I didn't know how he was going to do it. Well, like five years ago, a friend of mine went to Mexico on a trip and while he was there, for some reason, thought it necessary to buy this mask and another mask as a gift for me. I don't know why. I've never given him any indication about wrestling. I'm not a wrestler. I don't. And he just he bought them for me and they sat in a box in my closet for all that time. And one day I was when I was thinking about the content I was going to make for this channel, um, I'm like, oh, there's the mask and then there's the wrestling with God thing and I thought, and plus it's kind of funny, I want to be kind of, I want, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if like there was like a newscaster who was doing really stupid news, or it's not news at all, but it's kind of just irrelevant, but it's kind of talking about characters in the that I'm seeing on the internet here and and then just kind of I don't know, see what happens there. And then um I had this this tie and this shirt and this coat. Um, so at my home group, um we have a, a custom where if you're gonna speak at the podium, you wear a tie and a shirt and a coat and a, and a coat. And so I thought it'd be funny if I just mix those things together and then I can make this character and I can just be Chad the alcoholic, because that's me. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, um this this strange character um who who takes sp- spiritual matters seriously um but does tries his best to not take himself too seriously which I fail at often but so that's where this whole thing comes from it's trying to adhere to the 11th tradition of the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous <clears throat> which are all um these these um they were the way it's described is that the traditions were were or ham- hammered out on the anvils of experience which indicates that um there was a lot of s- bad mistakes in early aa that they tried to learn from and they wrote out these traditions they came after the steps so like you know like 15 years later <clears throat> and So they they made these things called traditions, like the first tradition is unity. The second tradition is uh, there's no authority except God, as he he is expressed in our group conscience. There's the third tradition, which is that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. The fourth tradition is anonymity, or not anonymity, uh, autonomy, group autonomy. Fifth tradition is our primary purpose, which is that we just try to, as a group, our only our only aim is to be useful to the alcoholic who still suffers. That's it, period. We don't sell cookies. We don't, you know, we don't, we just mm-hmm. want to be, help the alcoholic who still suffers. Uh, six is, I can't remember the sixth one right now. It's kind of one of those ones everybody forgets. The seventh mm-hmm. one is self supporting through our own contributions. We don't take donations, we only contribute. So if I say I'm a member, which I can, because nobody can tell me I'm not. Um, I want to take responsibility for contributing making contributions to the group um, so they can buy coffee or pay for rent and send some off to New York so New York can send books to different corners of the world where they're suffering alcoholics um also contributing in the way of like being of service to my group like maybe I could uh, uh, like do setup or clean up whatever it is and then, um, Yeah, no no affiliation with outside entities at all whatsoever. We have no opinions on outside issues. We try to practice public anonymity and the 12th tradition, which is um, uh, spiritual anonymity, which is the anonymity is the basis of all our traditions. It's like principles before personalities. So, you know, like. just because chad doesn't like how shit's going doesn't mean he gets to monkey stuff around you know what i mean so that's the traditions in a nutshell
0: that's so that's so great you know um the pastor that we used to have at our church maybe four or five years ago did a whole series of teaching on the 12 steps Mm. every week he taught about one of the steps and he went into great depth about it because he said if the church could be more like AA. It would it would improve things much, especially for people who are coming in who are um, maybe a little bit lost or uncertain or, or you know, or people who are coming in who are hurting or who need help. If we could be more like that kind of an environment for people. So he went through the whole thing and it was just it was really excellent. Um,
1: yeah, maybe if we were less atomized in the church, that would be better. You know, like the idea of one alcoholic helping another in a, like the, what they call a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, all it is just somebody who has experience, worked through the steps. They've, you know, they've they've sought God and did inventory and cleaned up their past and continue to seek God, God's will for them and, <clears throat> and help others. If there was something more like that in the church, that would be great, I think. I know that there's probably a lot of concern. Well, you can't just have Steve over there helping Jeff go through the Bible. I mean, uh, it's like people are worried about that, which is understandable. I mean, I'm worried about a lot of it. sponsors in AA too, but I think there's, if you're familiar with, I don't know how to say it. So there's this, if my, my sponsor always said, if you want to get closer to God, help his kids. And that's, That's like, it's been my experience, you know, and, and make that a a serious piece of business in my life. Like Mm -hmm. love and service, regardless of what I think or feel about that. And um, that's, that's made everything make sense in my life. Uh, Doesn't mean I'm always going to like it or that's comfortable or anything like that. Uh, The whole thing the whole aa thing is very 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 strange it's like complete i don't know it's a it's a complete accident in the first place so <laughs> just the you mean, fact that, mean it,
0: that it ever came about or that you got involved in it yeah. or what aspect of it do you mean
1: that that it even exists at all um you know just so alcoholism has has been present um, pretty much, as as since man has crushed grapes, and I know you and I have talked about this. People used to drink; they used to make fermented water, or basically, because to kill off any germs. But there was always like at least probably something, some small percentage of, of people who were going to be alcoholic. Even today, I think it's only maybe ten percent of people are alcoholics who drink. Mm. So it's a smaller number of people as a whole. <laughs> Um, and as far as I understand it, there's, um, the likelihood of somebody who is an actual alcoholic of, of just stopping and turning his life around was virtually zero. I mean, it would, once in a while, somebody might have like a religious experience where it just bang, turns them on. And they're, they're done forever. Um, maybe somebody, um, uh is able to, and we even talk about this in our literature, there's like the difference between a chronic alcoholic and an acute alcoholic. Um, And like the chronic alcoholic, his problems really begin when he stops drinking. And the acute alcoholic, he's he like, even if he's physically addicted to alcohol and he's separated from alcohol, he can walk away and never thinking about it again. He does well in life, He's, he's just fine. But there's this really small percentage of people who are these chronic alcoholics, and they never really um, have a real repeatable solution that they would really be willing to engage with, at least. Right. Like even guys who would go to church, even with, for whatever reason, they just couldn't stop. And um, so about a hundred years before Alcoholics Anonymous, there was a group called the Washingtonians <clears throat> and they uh, they found that this this concept of if one alcoholic like somehow helped another alcoholic that they could stay sober but there was no God element in there at all and they got actually the their numbers are anywhere between like a hundred to six hundred thousand members. Something like this, some crazy number, and they started eventually um, getting into the uh, uh, abolition, like poking their noses into conversation on abolition and and um, uh, teetotaling, and they just they poked their noses that they they didn't have a primary purpose. So their their initial thing was we're going to help each other, and then they started to fracture, and before you know it, they went. Bang! They're done overnight. They're just completely gone. And then about a hundred years later, a couple drunks accidentally basically find a solution to alcoholism, and they end up taking and they discovered if we if we if we do this and we carry this to the next guy, maybe that'll work. So they 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 got a third guy, and they started to do this and. Over the course of three years, they decided to count how many people are staying sober. And it was about 42 people are staying sober. And for them, it was like discovering a new continent. It was like, what? This is crazy. And they thought, we we have to do something. So they they decided they had all these plans that they were going to do. And they, they eventually settled on writing a book. And that's the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which... Basically, the first 164 pages is basically not changed at all since then, and then the rest of the book is uh, stories that have been updated through the years. We're on the fourth edition now; we're writing a fifth edition. Um, and it's 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 very very strange. That's what I mean. Like it's it's almost an accident. The fact, if you look at thousands of years. Virtually no repeatable solution. And ever, and it wasn't like people weren't trying. They were trying to find ways of combating this thing. And then basically by accident, or I would say uh, this is completely handed down by God. Um, people are able to find a solution that is repeatable. Um, if, if you're willing to submit to it and. And. And there's who knows how many, how many countless people it's helped, you know? So it's, it's just very strange.
0: Well, but if you're willing to submit to it, seems, seems like the big key. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that has a lot of implications. One of the major implications is that people usually are not willing to submit themselves to something that they don't, for some reason, trust. Mm -hmm. So, what is it that makes people willing to submit themselves to the group?
1: Well, there's a dilemma, right? And I didn't even know what that meant, actually, a long time ago. And then I found out a, a dilemma means the choice between two equally un, undesirable options, right? And so the dilemma that we have here die di-alcoholic death, which can take a very long time, by the way, Um If you're lucky maybe it won't take so long but so there's the dilemma of of alcoholic suffering that you're already a parent of and then or uh uh, seek spiritual help that's it you wouldn't do seek spiritual help unless you were really unless you were really willing to to surrender the alcoholic suffering and what's weird is that alcoholics will wrestle with which was the better idea. It's like, hmm, suffer alcoholic death or God? Hmm, how bad is the alcoholic death? And so, like, that's it. That's that's what it takes. And, like, so there's no, you know, there's no, like, perfect way of doing the steps. There are no rules in AA. Nobody makes me do anything. Um, even the traditions themselves are merely suggestions. Um Uh, I had to come to a place where uh, I'm unwilling to suffer in the way that I've been suffering and I'm basically out of options and I'm like, screw it, whatever. You know, when you surrender in a war, right, like when Japan was demolished, (laughs) they didn't have, like, (laughs) they had no other options. They had been firebombed for, like, at least a week before that and then they had two nukes dropped on them, you know, and, like, Nobody's happy about surrender, but what they did is they signed their complete surrender. They laid down all their tanks, all their guns, all their soldiers, all the things that they would have to defend themselves and say, all right, what do I do next? And that's what a surrender looks like as an alcoholic. I have all these things up here that are trying to justify and, and defend me and why I deserve this or what those bastards did to, to, to all this crap. And I have to to surrender.
0: Well, I, so it seems to me that baseline, what, what you're doing is choosing life. So why do some people choose life and some people don't choose life?
1: Got me. We've been trying to, our book would say, because it asks the question, right? So like even going into um, detoxes and stuff, you, you know, everybody has, a, a lot of people have the same question, which is, but why me? Why am I an alcoholic? And you would think that that's like the most important question. But I have found and those of us who have recovered have found that it's not a relevant question whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our even our literature says we don't know. We can't solve the riddle. Doesn't make sense. It's kind of like if your house is on fire and, you know, and the fire department comes to you and says, here's the hose, take the hose point at the house, turn the water on, only you can do this. And then you're holding the hose and you're like, but why is my house on fire? Why is it mean? Who started the fire? It's like, who cares? Put the fire out. But alcoholics will stand there looking at their house burn until the end. (laughs) Who knows why? Mm -hmm. Um, We would say another way of um, looking at it. um, So we look at alcohol as a symptom. And that the real trouble is that um, <clears throat> selfishness and self-centeredness—that that's the root of the trouble. And you know, like in today's culture, people hate hearing these things. They think it's a pejorative to say that you're selfish and self-centered. It's like no, it's just if I just if I'm really honest about my situation and I really, if, even if I have a, a, a glimpse of the truth about me, that will be a very true statement. Um, and so today still my all of my difficulties revolve around selfishness and self-centeredness all of them there's not one that isn't that
0: that seems to me to be pretty central to the human condition though not specific to alcoholics right i agree so it just happens to be that alcoholics have a for whatever reason a predisposition that that can trigger alcohol as being one of those things that you know like everybody looks for some way to cover up their problems and some of those ways are less obvious than others some of them you know like smoking or um they all lead to death one way or another (laughs) i guess but um smoking or overeating or um sexual addiction or and then there are other ones like even gossip can be something that people use to make themselves feel better or or narcissism or you know any of these things can be the thing that keeps you from noticing your own selfishness and self-centeredness so yeah the why me is kind of an irrelevant question because it's all of us that's right all of us have a different medication that we use
1: that's right like so my sponsor would call that uh, a misdirected search for power and i can still do that today you know and um so like the word powerless is in the book of alcoholics anonymous only one time and you would think that like it would be the in there like you know hundreds of times but it's 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 like that that's the whole thing it's like the or or another way of talking about it would be a spiritual malady i have a spiritual malady which is a uh, separation between me and my fellows separation between me and god i have this perception of the world for some reason um i just feel disconnected um and 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 this is this gets into a lot of things because there's like people will say, it's trauma or it's predisposition or I disagree wholeheartedly because I know plenty of alcoholics that had great lives growing up. that had really loving parents. They were in churches. They had they just had this for whatever reason. They had this spiritual uh, malady. And. Which just means, like, if you look on your cell phone, you have that little battery icon. And when the power is getting lower, right, and that's powerlessness. That's how This is how I understand it. Not all alcoholics do. They want to complicate it with a bunch of other crap. But I just look at it like my spirit is feeling like I need something to get me connected to the world. And I know that alcohol will give me that feeling. And so... I'm powerless over alcohol because it's a power greater than myself. It fills me up. It helps me feel connected. I, I wasn't somebody who drank to escape. I knew there was no escape. Um, but I drank because it helped me get connected. Now, at, at the end of my drinking, I would have said I I was drinking to escape and all this crap. But the way I look at it now is, no, I was I was really I was drinking to to feel something, to be connected with people, to feel like a person. And um, so the powerlessness thing, right? So I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of like feeling more and more disconnected from the world. And alcohol helps me get connected. The problem is, is once I start drinking, I can't control how much I drink. And then the other problem is, is like when I stop drinking and I mean it really, really this time, I mean it. I can't stop starting. Like the second I put it down, the clock starts ticking until I pick up again, even though I know wholeheartedly that it's not going to happen again. Right? It's this weird thing because, like, I don't know how to fill myself up with power. I don't know how to fill my, and some would say it's like a God shaped hole or whatever it is. And yes, it can be shopping, it could be sex, it could be power, it could be um, like, like, um, whatever name the thing it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's it's a misdirected search for power something to help get me connected Mm -hmm. and and that's why alcohol is 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 but a symptom now yeah i believe you i I think it's the human condition basically (laughs) um what's different between what AA has and the human condition is that i'm connected directly with alcoholics Mm -hmm. who have been exactly where i was and that's, and, and I found a way out. Then I've been given a responsibility, not a rule, but a responsibility. And I feel compelled to help you because you asked. Regardless mm-hmm. of what I think about you or who you are, what doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, Hitler walks into the room of Alcoholics Anonymous and says, I'm suffering from alcoholism. Please help me. It's my job to set aside what I think I know about the person and just help them. I don't have to be their buddy or anything like that. I just have to show them what was shown to me. And God will do all the rest of the heavy lifting.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But, you know, like people, and you said trust, you know, it's like, you know, they don't trust. A lot of people don't trust and they don't stick around, you know, like, and for whatever reason, we have attitudes that are driving us around. There's a guy I, I just met like a month ago in the detox and man he was like not doing well (laughs) and he says can i have your phone number i I want you to sponsor me i'm 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 willing to do whatever it takes and i said great call me every day and he calls me every day for about a week when he gets out and then he calls me every other day and then maybe every four days and then he says jeez, man, you know, I drink again. I don't understand what the deal is. And I'm like, I know what the deal is. You weren't willing to take a simple direction. Just call me. I don't care if you call me and say you're a piece of shit and then hang up on me. I don't care. I just want you to take an action. I want you to to take, in this case, this little action, it's it's not the you calling, it's not the what we're going to talk about that's going to, um provide a power mm-hmm. it's your surrendering and taking the humbling action of taking a suggestion from somebody else that's going to give you some little bump of power that you're needing for that moment right it doesn't originate in you it's it's basically uh it's that's the submission it takes
0: mm-hmm. as
1: simple as that is but we're so complicated that i won't even call a dude for a, one second and I told him right now, I said, I don't care if you call me and say, you're a piece of shit and hang up. I don't care. I just want you to call me. Mm-hmm. still do it. You know, and it's very, very, um, that's me. You know, by the grace of God, there go I and all that good stuff. That's, you know, why? I don't know. I think the best explanation I can come up with why am I alcoholic is because I'm uniquely crafted to help another alcoholic. That's, that's why I'm alcoholic. God will use the power of alcohol to bring me down to my knees that I might seek him. That's it. I don't know how to say that. I don't know. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a beautiful picture, actually, because we can see people who are struggling so long and, and keep thinking, well, why can't they just turn around and why can't they just, you know? find a, find an answer. Even if it's not alcoholism, maybe it's something else, or let's say somebody deconstructs and they walk away from Christ Mm -hmm. and you can watch that and you can think, you know, they could just turn around right now. Well, yes, but God may have something in store for them in this journey that they're on that later is going to be a powerful part of the way that they are able to help other people. Right. We can't see that. We have no way of knowing what God has in mind. So, (laughs) um that's not to say that i don't think we should should be there and love people and and talk about christ but but i don't think it pays to get all worked up or angry or frustrated with people who aren't doing what we think they should be doing because god may be doing a work in their life that we can't see and we have absolutely no idea what it is right
1: that's been my experience if you would have asked me uh Two and a half years ago, um, of what what my idea of God was, I would have said um, God couldn't win if he were sought. That's it. That that was it. You, if I, if you would have told me that I would have had this whole conversion thing happen, I would have thought that you are absolutely insane. You know, like there, and and so yeah, who who knows? Not like where I where I still get frustrated though is. So when I look at like I feel like the people that were lived before AA or who have no access to it at all, don't aren't have no idea about it, they have, in my opinion, kind of a valid excuse to um I don't know how to say that, like, like their their suffering has no answer to it, right? Now, I think when somebody is suffering and then they come into, counter, or into contact with a real solution and they don't do anything with it, uh, I've had just had, I know it sounds cold, but like sometimes I just like, uh, and you'll see this, people will like, they'll begin and then they're off and they leave and then they come back or like even in some of these other like HA or whatever. I know some people in that program where people have overdosed, overdosed, have been dead and resuscitated and they go into the, their heroin anonymous program and, you know, and then use again and then die again. And then, you know, it's like, and then sometimes they don't make it. And like, I feel sad about it, but at the same time, I also feel kind of like, I'm not going to be held hostage by, um by this moment because I don't know maybe you maybe you didn't want to I don't know I don't know I'm not trying to be that cold about it but um there comes a point when when people become overly compassionate and they try to uh I don't know they they I don't know they become held hostage by by the inaction of other people and i just don't have patience for it i just don't and not that i'm like oh you're a piece of shit or anything like that i don't you know i'm just like well i don't know i i can only carry a message i can only try to carry a message i can't carry a person you know mm-hmm. like
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe and maybe not everybody's meant to make it it's like I don't, maybe not everybody's meant to be in this religion or that religion. I don't know, man. And like, and and I'll hear even sometimes in the corner people will talk about, how, you know, uh, maybe let's use Virveki for example. He's not. He needs to be a Christian or the what's like? Why? Why? Why does he? And who are you to say that he isn't already? You just don't know it. Like in the same way, like maybe I was for like the last ten years, and I didn't know it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like whose timeline are we running on here? You know. So uh, that's my little simple. Yeah, problem. and
0: I also think the timelines run backwards. Um, there's there's a lot of discussion going on about free will. Even in the scientific community, you know, do we have free will? Do we not have free will? (laughs) And aside from our particles having momentum and trajectory and all that, and supposedly if you knew where every particle in me and my brain and my body was at any given moment in time, you could tell everything I'm going to do for the rest of my future, Mm -hmm. supposedly. And add to that the fact that I've had all these experiences in life that influence my decision-making. And um, I've ingested substances throughout my whole life that might influence what things I'm most attracted to and less attracted to and so forth. So all of that is influencing every decision that I make as well. But Michael Levin, bless his heart, said something really interesting a while back. He said, Maybe your free will in the moment is compromised by your experience and by your particles, but th- your free will over time past, you had many, many, many options of choices to make in the past that could have prepared you for this choice today in a different way than you are prepared for this choice today. Mm. So so the very first choice, let's say to, to drink alcohol that was a choice, somewhere in the past. The very first choice to use heroin—that was a choice. That choice was based on some previous preparation that people had made in their lives of little choices that they had made, all leading up to that choice. You know, the choice not to finish high school is a choice. Um, especially in this country where every effort is made. Maybe not. I mean there's a lot of schools that do such an abysmal job of education that it's understandable that somebody wants to get out of there as quickly as possible. But for the most part, people have the option to finish high school. A lot of them make a choice not to, for whatever reason, that choice was probably determined by past experiences that led them up to that moment. Right. Yeah. Well, was that your experience?
1: Well, so looking at, it's weird because so uh, a couple of years ago, for three years, I was in this apprenticeship class and um, just just as it relates to, to school. Um, and uh, I would do really well in class, like uh, in, the, in the shop portion of the class where I get to work with the tools and do stuff. But I started to notice something like when we were actually in the classroom setting and the the teacher was talking and stuff for the life of me. I could not stay awake. Like I, I, like, I tried so hard and it wasn't cause I wasn't like, I was interested in what he was saying. I know this is important. This is my career, but I just couldn't like, I was just be like always getting really heavy eyes and like, um, which is very weird because I started to remember that's weird because I always, when I was in class as a student, mm-hmm in 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 middle school and elementary school and high school that was me all the time and i always thought that i was just a bad student and i don't know like i don't know if if um uh i, I don't know how how that influenced me but there's a lot of stuff going on and, and i decided that um uh yes i did make the choice to not finish high school Uh, because i knew i was going to have to do another year of high school but if i just dropped out now and i did this other little HSED program over at the tech school i can get my diploma before i i would even have gotten it before so that's what i did
0: well but Um, you still got a diploma
1: i did yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. but i mean there are a lot of people that just drop out and never get the diploma and then 20 years later, they start blaming the world because they're not making an adequate living or something like that. But, but, and it sounds harsh that choices have consequences. I mean, I carry around a lot of extra weight because choices have consequences. And uh, lately I've been trying the thing of not eating until noon and then only (laughs) eating protein. And that's been really helpful. That's been very helpful. So We'll see how that goes. But um, this has been great, Chad. I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have with John. I know that we were going to touch on some other topics today, but I have kind of a hard stop in a few minutes okay, uh, because of another appointment. And so um, but was there anything you wanted to say to wrap up before we finish?
1: I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. I hope we can talk again in the future, Um, even even beyond John. Maybe we can get in some other stuff around uh, art, wherever all this is all heading and how exciting this is and whatever thoughts and concerns we have with the whole. thing. Yeah,
0: I would I would love to talk with you about art, because I know you mentioned before we started talking today that. That art and drama and storytelling and all these things are ways of kind of keeping us more connected, more embodied, more connected to community in the world and more connected with actually doing things like real hands on kind of things that, that keep us tethered in a way that all the thinky talky stuff doesn't keep us tethered. Right. So yeah, let's do that.
1: Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for, for spending time with me today.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it Chad and I'm I'm very much looking forward to your insights in the future. Likewise. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye.